get my nom, nom, nom on with the my top chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. Welcome to the Weekly Dish. Good morning, everybody. Guess what? Steffi Hansen is back. I am. I am. And happy to be back. There's nothing like taking a little time away to help Taking a little time. Assess. Taking a little time. Let's all have a moment to understand that you've been gone a month. A month. It's, like we, it's basically like you and I spent every single living moment together at the fair, and then you ran away to spend every single living moment together with your husband with in a van. Spouse. Yeah. And I managed that. I know. You're not divorced. Well no. done. And well done. we still like each other. Good. And for those of you interested, the van made it. I, I'm more shocked than anything that that van made it. I am kind of too. Yeah. And, you know, the van is pretty great. Yeah. It's pretty great. The more time we spent in it, the more I appreciated it. We're actually thinking we might put a new engine in it. Oh, my God. it has, well, we went 2,700 miles and it had 170,000 miles on it. Okay. And I don't know a lot about cars, but my husband knows a little bit. He's like, you know, classic cars, like you can keep them going. Yeah. And actually the van itself. Yeah. And the inside living conditions and how that feels on the road and in a campground is amazing. Oh, yeah. There's a great bed. Yeah. A nice stove. A great place to get out of the weather. The driving is, Kurt wouldn't let me drive it. Not at all. No. Not at all. No. I've driven it once. But not well, on this trip. He drove trip. all of those miles. Yeah, and he does like to drive. Okay. But I was like, you know, do you want me to drive? Do you want me to drive? And we never drove more than six hours in one day. Okay. Actually, one day we drove seven hours. Um, but so yeah, he likes driving, but it it drives like the front half is doing something different than the back half. Oh. And when you start out in the morning, it's very shaky. Okay. And then as it gets warmed up, and I don't know why this would be, but then it starts to be less shaky. Okay. So there's some kind of nuances to driving it. Yeah. Um, also, driving in the mountains, you have to be using your first and second gear a lot. Yeah. Because you don't want to burn out the drum brakes <laughs> and get them too hot. Oh, God. Thank God you have someone who like knows and can be like, well, that's what that is. Because I'm like, I don't know. Is there a raccoon stuck in there? Yeah. I no, mean, like, for what sure. happened? Except for, so along the trip, we had a lot of funny things happen. Yeah. Uh, the first funny thing I think was hearing this like scratching, scratching, scratching in the middle of the night. Yeah. And the bed is in the way back and next to our bed is like this cupboard area where we have our food and our clothes and there's batteries in there. And so I'm hearing this scratching, scratching, scratching. And I'm thinking, what is that? And everywhere you go, they're telling you about bears and buffalo. And this was in South Dakota that I first heard the scratching. Yeah. By the time we got to Wyoming... I was convinced, like, oh, we have a rodent. Yeah. So we got all of our stuff out. And I had most things packed in tub, plastic tubs anyway, but re-food-proofed everything and got these sticky traps. Oh, so I that hate night, the sticky traps. Oh, I know. And we're laying in bed, and all of a sudden we hear this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, in there, and it's trying to get out. And Kurt was like, I think we got it. And instead of just getting up and dealing with it in the middle of the night, we just laid there all night long <laughs> listening to the poor thing suffering. So finally we... Oh my God. 
got that mouse. And then like three days later, we had another sticky trap that we'd put down just in case. Yeah. Same thing in the middle of the night. It's like, I'm like, oh my God, there's another mouse. This time he does get up and he puts the poor struggling mouse in the trap underneath the van outside. And when we woke up in the morning, something had dragged it like 12 feet from the van and disemboweled it. Oh God. I know. It was so sad. Gross. Yeah. So a couple (sighs) mice. Okay. A few buffalo. Yeah. Like face to face, which that's. Scary, big creatures who, yeah. who have a battering ram for a head. So yeah. that's odd. Um, sitting alone, cooking dinner one afternoon in Yellowstone, and an elk with a 12-point rack walked right by me with his ma- his wife and his child. His wife. <laughs> I was like, oh. I wonder if they were just partners and didn't get married. I don't know. I was like, <laughs> there's the elk family, and they don't seem afraid of me. Right. But right. I see all these marks, and it's it's rutting season. So a lot of these animals are very aggressive about yeah. getting mated again. and um, But the highlight was probably the grizzly bear. Okay. And have you heard the story? I, I, I specifically didn't tap into okay. that one because I felt like I wanted to it's hear it in person. It's a real story. And do we have time? We do have time. Yeah. Go ahead. And, you know, this summer, it's kind of been the summer of bears because this summer, for the first time in Ely, I saw a bear. Yeah. It came right up to our house and was eating my bird feeder. Right. Which... You know, I don't usually put bird feeders out, but thistle, I didn't think was bear worthy, but apparently it is. So that was the first bear encounter this summer. We were in uh, Wyoming and we drove into this national park, which, oh my gosh, like just the national parks. Gorgeous. We're so lucky. I have such an appreciation for just America right now. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. The land of the free. The land, even the people with the RVs and the satellite dishes and the weird American flags that they put out right when they land. Yep. I have appreciation for those people, too. Okay. Um, So we get to Wyoming and we're going to go on this hike and she's giving us a trail map and she says, well, do you have your bear spray? And Kurt's like, no. And she's like, well, you really do need it. There are bears and... You know, you want to be safe. So she says, I happen to have a can right here that someone left. Just bring it back to me if you don't use it when you leave tomorrow. Okay, fine. So we go to this trail and we're the only people for miles yeah. in this area in Wyoming. It's called the Sheep's Trail. We're the only, the van is parked. I mean, it looks like we're on a moon crater. You know, there's just nothing but desert and dry west stuff. Yeah. And we start hiking, and I think I told you I am a complete jerk the first mile of any hike because yeah. I'm blaming him for the altitude, for anything unforeseen. Like, he's been to all these places, right? Right. It's a very severe feeling of mine that I'm working on. Okay. So we're walking, and I had pants on. Yeah. And this trail, like, a lot of the trails in these national parks are so worn, you know, you're not rubbing vegetation as you're walking. Right. I'm scraping, like, prickers on both sides of my legs. It's oh. a very thin trail. Okay. And it's kind of switchbacking. Uh-huh. So you can't really see what's ahead of you. And you can see like mountains, you know, in front of you, but it's not this wide expanse like you do see in a lot of the parks yeah. where you can kind of feel like you could see what was coming at you. Okay. This was like being in the woods, but a desert woods. Oh, weird. And I'm like, okay, there's for sure snakes here. Yeah. Like, okay, just yeah. get your big girl panties on. Yeah. So we're walking and we're about a mile in and we come to this like big shrub and the shrub is moving. It's like rustling. I said to Kurt, something's in that shrub. And he goes, you think so? I'm like, yeah, there's definitely something in there. And I'm, you know, from 10 feet away from it. 
standing in front of it going, there's something in the shrub. So he, we had read the bear, you know, you're supposed to make a lot of noise. And so he's like, hey, hey. Sure enough, Stephanie March, a gigantic grizzly bear comes out of the shrub. Oh, my God. Starts running up the mountain, like, in front of us. Away from you. Away from us. But he's looking back at us. And, I mean, a grizzly bear is, like, a thousand pounds. Yeah. And it's big. Yeah. And they look kind of gray. That's why they call them grizzled, because the tips of their fur are kind of like a silvery. Yeah. They have, like, a hump that's just full of muscle to help them get up and go fast. Yeah. It was just this like, like big snorty thing. And I'm like, Kurt goes, oh my gosh, that's a grizzly bear. I'm like, I know. And he's looking in his binoculars and I'm kind of, I'm like grabbing the bear spray and the bear spray you're supposed to spray from 20 feet away. What is, and what, do you know what is, what's in it? It's some orange noxious gas. Okay. Okay. And so you have to wait till it's close enough to go through your orange cloud of gas. Yeah. Well, if a grizzly bear is that close to me, you guys. I'm probably going to get hurt. I'm just saying. Yeah. So I'm like grabbing the bear spray and the bear is now up on the side of the mountain, probably now, I don't know, 50 feet away from us looking at us. Okay. And we're like, okay, we're backing, we're backing, backing up. Yeah. And all of a sudden I hear, and Kurt can't hear very well. No. Or smell. And I can smell, I can smell like a wild animal. And I hear this like (laughs) in the shrub still. There's something else in there. Oh, God. I still don't know if it was something it was eating, something that was with it, some child of it. I don't know. But I was like, we got to go. Yeah. So we just backed out of there, walked like probably a quarter mile backwards, staring at the bear that still was there. I'm staring at you. Staring at us. And they're aggressive. Oh, yeah. They attack you. Yeah. They're not like the black bears where they get scared and run away, really. You know, they don't want to attack you, but they will. So we get back and we go down to the bear state or the ranger station and we give her back the bear spray and we're like, oh yeah, we ran into a grizzly. She's like, really? She goes, it's kind of early for him to be down, but there was a fire the other day in the neighboring county. And so maybe some of the wildlife is moving early. I'm like, okay, yeah, great. Super. So that was, and then I looked on Wikipedia. There's only 1200 grizzly bears in the United States. 1200? Yes. Like yeah. how I ran, into, ran one. into one. Yeah. Just like on a trail. Yeah. Very odd. God. But super cool, but scary. Scary. And just like, and I had PTSD after that. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Every trail we were on, I was like, do we have the bear spray? Do we? And when they said that there was bears, I was like assessing the trails. Like, could I, could I see it? It's just, yeah. We, I finally got past it. Yeah. We hiked about, 50 miles over the course of the trip and I got past it, but that was pretty exciting. Also saw like antelope yeah, and eagles and trout and just, Oh, I saw moose. Yeah. I I don't know. Like I have been a city person. I've had a cabin. I love the outdoors. Yeah, You're not exactly just city person. I wouldn't say that. I I've only, I mean, we never went anywhere as a kid. We would go to Wisconsin and we had a lot of kids. So we just stayed home yeah. the last couple of years going through these national parks. It's just been tremendous. It's been amazing. Love it. And lots of fun people to meet along the way, by the way. So I have faith restored in America. Good. Even people that politically are diverse from me. Like we had normal conversations I could see, like, 
you know, if you live somewhere where you've never seen a person of color, because I'd be in these communities and a lot of people asked us about Ilhan Omar. Oh, I bet. And it was just very interesting to see things from their perspective. And so it was a great trip. I'm glad to be back. Okay. But it was a great trip. Great. And I know we need to take a break. We need to take a break. Yeah. Thanks to El Burrito Mercado, who I'm going to get there this weekend, I think, and go to brunch because I've missed them. They sponsor the show and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Steph March. Back in the seat. Back in the saddle on a soggy Saturday, but you know. But you know what it this is? This is the perfect time to sit and listen to Weekly Dish. Yes. And I can tell you all about, I, I have FOMO when I'm not on Weekly Dish. Yeah. And you're with other people. I know. Because that just gives me anxiety. I try to ignore you to cut you off a little bit so that it doesn't seep in. And you, you don't know? want me to like... And like people are saying, like, hey, I heard Elizabeth Reese talk about this. I'm like, nope, that's not your journey. Yeah, you don't need to reply to that nope, email. No, nope, but hold I want on. to. <laughs> you know me so well too, because I'm like, oh. <sighs> and then someone was like, when? Like Stephanie? I'm like, oh, wrong, Stephanie. Yeah, that wasn't me. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I have FOMO, but thanks to everybody that filled in while I was gone. Uh, Lindsay filled in, which is fun. Lindsay Gunsel. Yeah, yeah, Lindsay mm-hmm. Gunsel. We had a first timer. Elizabeth Reese, who's always a, a special favorite. Yep. And Molly was here first time. Yes. Yeah. And Molly does a great job, too. Uh, Elizabeth Reese, by the way, my sister, who she's not really a cook. She's trying. She's got two kids. She wants to have better food on the table. She's a work double working family. Yeah. Like if Elizabeth Reese says something, it's like she's heard it for the first time. It's getting annoying. Oh, like like Elizabeth Elizabeth lays down the law. Yeah. Made this carbonara. Like, do you think you could get that recipe? I'm like. I can just make you carbonara yeah. and show you how to do it. I've been trying to like teach you these things. Yeah. But if Elizabeth Reese says she should do it, she's like oh. all on. Okay. Right. Elizabeth Reese said that she liked this thing. Have you ever heard of that? Have you ever been to this place? Like, I, by gonna, the way, Elizabeth Reese was on my show talking about it. Yeah. It just cracks me up. Oh, I know. She's a huge fan. I know. Well, that's good. All right. So a few other just let's finish with your not finish with your trip, but let's talk yeah, about it. Cause you were gone other... for a month. You were eating on the road. Yep. I mean, like, that's a whole other thing. Even though you had a kitchen, I guess I want to know how the cooking in the in the van went. Okay, and here's the thing. So we have two burner stove in the van. It's not a oven stove. It's just a top stove. Right. And we cooked in it, but it, it's hard. Like, you really can only make one pot meals because even though you have two burners, they're really close together. Yeah, you're not doing, like, multiple things. No. You don't and- have space either, right? We kind of don't. You have, like, a table, and then you have this little sink that's for, like, basically brushing your teeth and washing your hands, and you can wash dishes, but most of the cooking we tried to do outside. Yeah. So we had another stove that we would put on a picnic table, Yeah. and all the prep I would do outside. And my husband loves sausages. I don't think he's going to eat sausages for, like, another month. For another, yeah. Like, he was just like, can we... Because we ate a lot of sausages sliced up in things... I made lentils three separate times. Yeah. He was like, um, can we just like not eat lentils? Take a break. He's like, my stomach can't take this. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So that was kind of funny. I over lenteled. Uh, We made a lot of one pot meals. We made a lot of steak. My husband likes meat. He likes steak. We just grilled it right on the outside. Yeah. Roasted potatoes. Um, we made a lot of beans like chili one night, just beans to have with meat another night. Having fresh, like anything green was like, hooray. Yeah. Because once you get into the parks, you know, you have bear coolers. So you have to put your food in these bear lockers. 
Because the bears will come into your cars yeah. and come into your campsites. They give you the bear locker or you have it? They have bear okay, lockers. Okay, they have them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're supposed to use them for your toiletries too, like anything you put in the bear locker that you're worried about. Wow. And then all night long, you think you hear bears like <laughs> prowling around the campsite. And a couple times you hear like these noises, like people screaming, that's a bear. Or like one morning we heard a horn, that's a bear. People Weird. trying to scare the bears oh. out of their sights. Right. So one pot meals, I had this skillet that was my grandma's that is a cast iron skillet that's about four inches high. Okay. I had that. I had a scan pan. Yep. And that was all I needed. And I had a couple of extra things that I did not need. I had like a lot of serving bowls and things, which in retrospect, why did I have that? Yeah. I had like... There was two of you. Yeah. And yeah. I had measuring cups. <laughs> like, why do I need a whole set of plastic measuring cups like I'm baking? Yeah, I mean, right? That's really Seriously? the only reason you need measuring cups. Yeah. Um, so we had all the right stuff. I had a million mason jars with dribs and drabs. Like, put the gar- I put all like the garlic in there, any food I had in mason jars. Yeah. We really only had noodles like twice. Wow. Which surprised me. We more lended towards protein and rice. Yeah. Um, We had a couple of interesting meals on the road. We ate at a couple of the historic lodges. Yeah. Which was fun in uh, South South Dakota. Have you ever been to South Dakota? I have not. It was fantastic. Yeah. Like it's... I guess it's 10 I hours I away. Have. No, I have. I mean, I was a kid, right? Yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing. I've never done that. Yeah. I went and saw the Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Which is a gigantic tourist trap, but cool. Yeah. I saw Crazy Horse. South Dakota has so many cool places to hike. I know. We went to this, like, Black Elk Trail that was, like, a 10-mile hike straight up, but right. it was so gorgeous. The Black Hills are just, yes. I mean, it's, like, it's it's a phenomenal, beautiful place, and it's right next door, but because it takes us, like, what, 10 hours to yeah. get there? You it's just harder. don't go. You just don't go. Yeah, the lodges were great. We had beautiful trout. Um, we went to everywhere in Yellowstone. Yellowstone is my favorite park. Really? It's It's so big. It's like going on a wild safari, literally in your car. You're just seeing all these animals. Then you're in like lava flows and geysers. While we were there, someone stepped off of the trail and went into a hot geyser and fourth degree burned themselves. It happens apparently a lot. People with their phones are crazy and just like, oh, I can get this better shot. And then they fall into a hot geyser. Oh, my God. Um, there's a lake that's like Lake Superior. Yeah. It's, you're basically standing on an active volcano. Yeah, I knew that. That's, that's cool. crazy. That's a crazy thought because we take, again, nobody, you don't think about it. You take for granted. You're like, yeah. Rawr. And here we are. And it could just blow at any time. Um, the Grand Tetons are gorgeous, beautiful. All of these beautiful, um, glacier made lakes. We did go through Winnemucca, Nevada. Have you ever heard of Winnemucca? No. The lady that runs Burnside Lodge, which is up north, told us that we should eat at one of the famous Winnemucca Basque dining halls. Oh. And apparently, Basque Spain, all these people immigrated here and ended up in the desert because they were sheep herders. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of sheep. Basque, the Basque people region in, in Spain Reno, is very Nevada. dry. Yeah, yeah, and temperate. So we went to this place in Winnemucca, and it's like. And then you get to say Winnemucca. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I keep coughing. Yeah, it's family style meal. So you order your protein, and then all of these plates of little plates of food come out. Yeah, like beans and salad and French fries and these special potatoes with chicken stewed and. 
this other special pimento stew and all these like little stewed things. Yeah. And it was really fun. But we were in like a really armpitty town. <laughs> so it's just kind of funny that yeah. when you got served a craft of Basque wine. <gasps> so we did that. That was really fun. Um, what else can I tell you about the eating in Lake Tahoe? Have you ever Lake Tahoe was great. Was it? I would love to go back. It was there. beautiful. It was beautiful. It's very rustic feeling. It's campy. It's sort of like Minnesota, but there's lakes, there's sand, there's pine trees, there's dry desert trail. Yeah. You know, Wyoming is like real Western ranch. Mm -hmm. And here's also what's weird. There are real ranchers. (laughs) Yes, I know. And people like (laughs) you see that movie Brokeback Mountain and they're like ranching. Yeah. All over the mountains are cattle herds that are owned by people, but they're free ranging and roaming. Yeah. And you can't just like get an ATV and go round up the herd. They are. We saw cowboy after cowboy in their full Ralph Lauren gear. I'm sure. I know. But out there literally trying to get the cattle to come back and then they brand the calves and whatever. Yeah. It's just like this super wild country. It is. That's amazing. It's funny because our experience with it is in movies and TV and and like stories. And so then when you see it in real life, but that's the way you think about that, that city people feel about our farms. (laughs) Like they go and they're like, there were sheep there that you could like touch and pigs. And you're like, yeah, yes, yeah, there are, you know, we take for granted and it's fun that you got a totally different view of that. I did. And then I was thinking about just farming and food and the cost of making food and the beef thing. Oh, oh, and just the beef. And I mean, we eat so much. My husband loves beef. It's like his favorite thing to eat. Yeah. And just the cattle and the land that it takes to produce well, all these right. cattle and to graze these cattle and and just how dry the world is. Yeah. Like we live in this very arid. Lush. You know, yeah, there's water and it's humid and so, I mean, we were just driving through just these dusty, dusty, dusty places. Wow. And the dust gets in everything. Oh, good Lord. I know. There's a lot of, you know, and we'll talk later a little bit about a beef study that was uh, just came out. That, I was interested in that. Oh, my God. We, let's talk about that later. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, because you have like one, two minutes. All right. So, just in two minutes, I would say camping is fun. <laughs> I was never a camper. I've always been a cabin girl. I was... In a campground, five nights in a row, you know, one shower. Yep. Camping is fun. Yeah. Cooking and camping is great. Yeah. Like, I loved it. It's easy to drink too much because you're just sitting you're there. out at the campfire. You don't have to drive. Nope. The wine is right there. I probably had a few nights where I was like, yeah, I didn't need that extra glass of rum right before bedtime. Right. Um, but did you and you like made friends? Like, did they come to you? Did you go to them? Yeah, was it, like, we made were there rules? We shared some bowls. Yeah. Kurt met a kid that was riding his bike across the country oh my God. and invited him into the campground. I met a guy that's a musician. Jack Broadbent is his name. Who's like a famous slide guitarist who sat next to me at an airport and bought me a beer. And we just, it, it was crazy. The camaraderie Kurt had the, van hood up because we had a loose van belt yeah and some just random guy walked over and offered to help him and it was giving him tools and i love that yeah i like, love the fact that that is the actual you know closer to the norm than the fear of each other 
you and know, just, which people are like, oh, that guy's going to attack you or that guy's, you don't, you know, uh, uh. it's like, mm. yeah. And you're, you're in a campground with all these people you don't know. And nobody's like, we never locked our car. Wow. We just embraced it and we embraced all these people and we talked to people. And it's funny as I talk for a living and as I've aged, I talk less for fun. Yeah. My husband is the reverse. Like he's an introvert who's becoming extroverted. That man could talk to a pole and did. <laughs> and I was like, okay, wow. Here and he's inviting everyone over oh for a cocktail. God, right. He's talking to every ranger. Yes. The world is a good place. It's politically divided, but at the end of the day, I felt the like the people in it. The people want kind of the same things and it's just what you're exposed to. Like if you've never seen anybody that doesn't look like you and your president's telling you that's scary, it might feel scary to you. Like it was really interesting to just talk. And we talked about politics a lot with people. People wanted to know. It is. It is. It is the thing. I mean, like it's 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 the it's the thing. Yeah. And it's also the thing. It separates us, but it also keeps us together because we're all Americans. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. And you're in this beautiful country experiencing it in a way that is just you and Mother Nature, man. Yeah. So it was great. It was a great trip. Good. Yeah. And since I've been back, I've been cooking up a storm. So we'll get to that. Okay. On the Weekly Dish. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we talk a lot. I'm so excited about Hans's trip and like kind of looking into the different aspects of food and production in America. Like, I, it's so cool that you got to see ranches and things like I that. I did. And I think that that is like something that is, we don't, you know, as tourists in our own country, we don't really get to see that as much. But I do know that I still think that the farms that we have here are something that is that other people don't understand about. And that's one of those things that is important and something that leads into our next guest, Lauren Prathan. Did I say it right? Yes. Which we, you're in studio. Welcome. Hi, everyone. And you are here to talk about something that's coming up that is very cool and in my mind is something that's extremely important which is part of the startup week that happens this is the third year of startup week or startup week's been around for five years this will be the third year for kind of food and ag content happening at the same time right so you are kind of with grow north Mm -hmm. which is your organization that you work for and this is part of it's called food food ag ideas week that's right okay let's talk about it what's going on So thanks so much for having me. So I lead Grow North. Uh, We're an initiative out of the Carlson School at the U of M, all about bringing together this incredible community for innovation in food and agriculture. And as you were just talking about, there's so much happening in food and ag right now. And people just want more connection to their food and learning more about it and understanding where it comes from, who's making it, how it's being made. And so there's incredible innovation happening in that space. And we've got a really amazing community innovating and building businesses, growing ideas. Every time you go to the farmer's market over the weekend, people don't really understand or always think about that those are business owners who are making really good food and trying to grow businesses and have an impact. And so uh, Grow North leads this week with a, a ton of amazing partners called Food Ag Ideas Week, which kicks off October 11th. And we want to spotlight that innovation and those amazing leaders from Minnesota. And we've got some incredible speakers from across the country, too. Seriously, there's one of the things that you and I talked about, which I think is something that's important to me, is that 
kind of in that aspect of that we don't think about them as business people. You know, mm-hmm. people tend to have emotional connections to food and they, they take that emotional connection and they personalize it. You know, like I feel something about this pumpkin bread that you've made for me and so we have this connection. But I don't think about it in terms of as the individual who made the pumpkin and what went into it. Even though we're working toward those traceabilities with food, it's mm-hmm. the people side of it, I think, that is really just beginning to kind of understand, you know, that people are sort of getting to. Well, one of the things that I just think is so interesting, like you take an incredible market like the Mill City Farmers Market and they're um, doing some really awesome programming next weekend. Everyone should check out. Um, But they feature all these incredible makers. And when we use language like maker, it sounds really cute at times and special. And you you and I have talked about Stephanie. I've talked about this. But at the same time, these are business owners who make that product in at a in their homes or they make it in a commercial kitchen or they make it through a manufacturer and they're selling it for your benefit and really tremendous food that is delicious and you know where it's from and it's just really exciting but what's interesting is also like the mill city farmers market has a grants program they themselves are supporting entrepreneurs to help them scale and grow they're helping farmers through a grant program so they're going to be talking all about that next weekend as a part of the week but i think just people don't in our in our communities always understand or see that aspect of things and we should just be so proud of it yeah and the other side of it is that just i was the idea that the way that we see food makers you know we tend to see the farmers markets we tend to see we talk about makers and the people who are making jams and jellies and this thing but really the bigger picture is you know the people who are out there with thousands of acres mm-hmm. and they're growing things. and how about like one of my favorite stories is this purest pea protein mm-hmm. yeah. that has generated here we did a, i did a makers in minnesota episode with him and it's his family farm and for 30 years they've been working on this pea protein and now they're finally the one of the main suppliers for the beyond, beyond meat, meat. That's yeah. right. which is the uh, um other like the, the alternative burger. meat yeah, yeah. Right. it's mm-hmm. one of the alternative meats but that that i mean you think like oh pea protein like sure they just know for 30 years <laughs> yeah. they've been thinking about how to how to steward their land so that they can make this pea protein and how to process it and how to grow it and what works and what doesn't and creating those partnerships mm-hmm. and it's taken them all this time like that's amazing and right. now all of a sudden everyone's into you know, alternative meats and what that looks like. Well, that doesn't just happen overnight. That is a f- one family yeah. that took a mm-hmm. long time to cultivate these relationships and these partnerships. Well, and the idea that it's like what's happening right now, you know, with with tech and all of the innovations and people are, I mean, people are, the. I think they said something in like, there was a percentage, I'm going to totally throw this out like I know when I'm having any numbers, but there's a huge percentage of of tech startups focused on food. Like the majority of tech startups in the past like two years have been focused on food. And that's something that is sort of from... Because we're still trying to feed the world. Like there's still people going hungry, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's it's that and it's like how do we make things, how do we save the world? How do we save the planet environmentally? How do we save our health? How do we, there's so Mm -hmm. much around that, but I think that that's, it's, it's easy to get caught up in things without really kind of seeing the bigger picture that it's it's both small organic producers and it's like families on huge farms and some people are organic and some people are traditional and there's there's a piece to play for all of it and that's what i think is just so interesting and i think you bring up a great example with puris and and tyler and nicole his sister who's the chief technology officer which is just amazing yeah they'll be speaking on the 15th and so you should that that area of kind of plant protein alternative proteins how we eat um, is a big area of focus that we'll be talking about. But it is so interesting. And what's amazing about this place is that, you know, we have these big companies like General Mills and Lando Lakes and Schwann's. And then we also have 
you know, Fig and Farrell will be talking about their comp- their small company, and they're going to be hopefully launching a line of products. And so it's you've got this the big and the small coming together. You've got really large production agriculture farms as well as small organic natural farms. You've got big organic farms. Mm-hmm. So you have this. Minnesota is just so unique and interesting and amazing because we hold all of these different people together. And I do think as we think about feeding the world, solving the problems of our food system, that type of crashing of communities and bringing people together is where all that all those solutions are going to come from mm-hmm. when we we have a lot of listeners so we have chefs that listen we have people that are home cooks that listen we have people that just buy their farm shares and listen how can like the regular people that are interested in this movement this community how can they interact or what do you think are the best places for them to interact with food ag week So what we've really tried to do is make the week accessible. And so the week is a build your own schedule format. So you can literally go on our website, foodagideas.com and make a schedule. The sessions are $10 a session. So we try to make the price point um, price point affordable. And that comes from the incredible partners that we have in our community that have um, sponsored this event to enable us to do that. So you can make your own schedule. We've got scholarships for just starting out entrepreneurs, students, as well as small nonprofits. We really want to remove the barriers there. But I would say a couple sessions that are going to be really, really great. We've got this awesome session on kind of what's next in food, this big trends presentation. So I think that's really open for anyone to learn more. Um, we've got a really fun session called They Said I Was Crazy, which showcases <laughs> um, a bunch of leading entrepreneurs we have in town, including Local Crate, the founder of City Girls Coffee, um, Conservice, which is a farm tech company. Um, just so they're going to be talking about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. So for anyone who's dreaming or who's having a, you know, who is an entrepreneur and just having a rough day and you need a boost, come to that one. Yeah. Um, it is on October 14th, Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah. And I'm so excited I about am that. thrilled that Sean Sherman, who's the CEO and founder of the Sous Chef, as well as the Indigenous Food Lab, will be speaking. The lieutenant governor is coming, which is really fun. But these are all just ways that the price point is low. It's a community that wants everyone to be involved. So I would just say, check it out, register and come. Isn't there a whole day, too, that's devoted to, like, distilleries and breweries? There is. Everyone's favorite topic. Everyone wants to you come know, to that day. Who doesn't want to come to that? Right. Um, so we've a tremendous group of partners, including AURI, which is the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute, BevSource, um, Renewing the Countryside, have all come together to do this event called From Field to Glass on Innovation in Brewing and Distilling. And what's really fun about that is that it's for brewers and distillers, obviously, but also farmers who are growing grains and products to make those products. And it's another really interesting way where the whole supply chain, the whole kind of from farm to glass is coming together to talk about how can we make really good products, make them in Minnesota with Minnesota grown um, foods, with Minnesota made uh, systems and grow those businesses and make those relationships even stronger. It's going to be a tremendous day on October 10th. It was interesting having just traveled all over. Like we take for granted how many Uh local Uh cideries and breweries and distilleries. It was like everyone had like one or two local things on tap, Mm -hmm. but there weren't bars like here where you have like 30 local choices. I'd say like, what are your local? And they'd be like, um, like it was hard for them to think of what their local products were. And what's so interesting here, too, is, I mean, if you're dreaming at home right now about starting your own cider or starting your own um, beer, we have the Craft Brewers Guild, the Distillers Guild. Yeah. You know, we have these communities of communities that are coming together to support one another. There are over 200 breweries in the Craft Brewers Guild. I mean, we have just these these 
communities of support and making tremendously delicious and impactful products. Like it really is special. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm ex- I'm excited. I'm excited. And I'm glad that you are and you have, you know, an openness to having people come and kind of mm-hmm. learn things for themselves mm-hmm. and to learn like maybe there's a future for someone that they aren't quite sure yet. You know, I met some people at a networking <clears throat> event last year that they were already they were working on their products, but yeah. they weren't ready to launch. But like they got, I think, enthusiasm and excitement about that they could do it yeah. from coming to some of these networking events. And that's what we really want to do is just create this invitation and drive visibility that there is this incredible community that wants to support business growth, that wants to support you as an entrepreneur. And this is just the start because we've got events all year and the partners have events all year. So don't think of this as one and done. Think of this as the start of a whole Kick journey in this whole world. Kick it off. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to put the uh, the website link up on the Facebook page so you guys can dig in and kind of look and see where you might want to dip in, where you want, want, want to dip out, but register. And, uh, 651-641-1071 is our phone number here at The Weekly Dish. And this is the portion of the show where we take your calls, your emails, your Facebooks. The Ask Stephanie's. Just ask us anything. Yeah, 641-1071. We would be happy to take your call. Sonny is standing by. We take you live on the air, 651-641-1071. If you want to know where you should take your husband for your anniversary, if you want to know where Stephanie had her famous uh, martini last or her favorite (laughs) whiskey place. I did see a lot of Japanese whiskeys in the West, Stephanie, and I thought about you every time I saw a lineup of Japanese whiskey. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Um, they're very popular out there. Um, somebody is asking, someone sent us an email, Julie. She was wondering about Booyah. She said, a few weeks ago, I heard you say you'd be talking about Booyah on an upcoming show. Can you tell me if you didn't? If so, when, when it was, unfortunately, I ha- have had to miss it. So I have, we haven't like fully formally talked about Booyah. Um, and so I, I think we'll still, we can do that next week. There is like the big Booyah is actually tomorrow. The North St. Paul Fire Department's Booyah is tomorrow. It's at 11 a.m. in North St. Paul. They are, um, it is kind of the one that's been going on since the 1930s. It's one of the, you know, but there are still booyahs to come. So I think what we'll do is we'll talk about it next week. I'll put it on the grid and I'll make sure to talk about it next week. 651-641-1071. If you want to give us a call, we would love to answer your questions. Right on. I felt like a lot of questions came in while I was traveling and then I was like, oh, this is not my... Question to answer. We had so. a lot of. Well, I mean, there was a lot of stuff. I know Elizabeth tends to like throw her recipes out the way she cooks them, which is great. You know, the carbonara is sort of an off the cuff kind of thing, and then people go, "Oh, can you get me the recipe for that?" And I just think I kind of want to tell you guys just go to the Try. podcast and listen again. <laughs> like, I, the, if you miss it while driving, you can always download it because. It's, it might be faster than the time it takes for me to communicate to her and for her to write it down and for her to send it back and all that kind of stuff. And the podcast, um, if you subscribe to a Weekly Dish podcast, you will get a notification every time a new podcast is posted. The way they do it is they podcast hour one of the show, hour two of the show, then our top two and hour two is also posted. And then we have unique content that we call the second helping that we typically post on Wednesdays. Yeah. So, but just, yeah, if you have any idea of like, cause we do, because they're busted up within hours, that's kind of usually like, if you knew it was in the second hour, you just kind of zip into it and kind of go listen. to hour two. Yeah. Um, so I'll just tell you, as my husband was waking up this morning, as I was getting ready to walk out the door, he goes, Hey, 
Did you know that the guys at Pajarito are opening in Edina? <laughs> Which made me laugh because my husband is not super restaurant aware, believe it or not. But he right. was very excited. I can't tell you how many... I can't tell you that I did not expect the fervor to go to the peak that it has. It's so sad because they're in St. Paul on West 7th. It's a fabulous spot. I love it so much. The Brussels sprouts, the roasted sweet potato. They do pork like nobody's business. The salsas, like it's all just great. I love that place. But it's in St. Paul on West 7th. So there's all these people that maybe have been there like once and it's not like in their regular routine. But yeah. Put him in Edina. Put him oh, in South Minneapolis. My God, and it's you guys. Like, oh, oh my God. I know. Well, and of course, the big thing is that the funny thing for me is that they're taking over the old Tejas spot, which is like, you know, Tejas was that. It was great. Oh, God. It, you guys. It, Mark like, Haugen. Yeah, we didn't know about blue corn <laughs> chips before that. No, we you know, didn't. like chards also. What? You know, tomatillos. What is that? Yes. And I know that it's, you know, I mean, there's plenty of authentic Mexican places in town, and but this was, Tejas was, you know, Tex-Mex, and that was like this whole weird thing. It's Southwest, you know? Yep. And so there was a lot of difference, and that's a weird, it's a weird cuisine, I know, when we look back on it, you know, culturally and stuff. But I think that it was, you know, especially plunked in the middle of the suburb, or, you know, Edina's doesn't yeah. want to be a suburb, but it is, you know? and I It think wants to be South Minneapolis. It does want to be South Minneapolis, um, but... Anyway, I'm so excited that they're going in there and they're going to redo that spot. And they're very excited and they're very, you know, they're, they are just sort of like, it's, it's a great thing. And I think I was like, yeah, it is a great thing. And then all of a sudden this like, like, you know, avalanche of people going, oh my God, I can't wait. It's super it delicious. Cute. You are lucky if you're living around that area because it will be another great spot. Well, to even go. Jake was like, "Those Brussels sprouts, you mean that place?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, the Brussels sprouts." Yeah, the Brussels sprout. Place. Don't worry. He's like, "So it's closer now." I'm like, "Yep, yeah." And you know, do you remember the Brussels sprouts from Brassa with the fish sauce and the lime? Yeah, those aren't on the menu anymore. Well, Brussels sprouts are seasonal. I so guess that's a thing. People can't. You, I hope they come back. Yeah, I think that I think that there's a huge Brussels sprout. Um, I mean, I think there's like a large, uh, the prices are going to go up because of there's a huge demand for them now. You know, <sighs> same thing with cauliflower is going to go up the roof too. By what the about the Brussels sprouts at um, Butcher and Boar? Yeah, those same oh, thing. Well, I just, that's how I make my Brussels buffalo, too now. Bruf- I buffalo them all the time. Do you, okay, let's, you can call us 651 But if you don't call us, we're just going to keep talking that's about, right, Brussels, about sprouts. Brussels sprouts. I served Brussels sprouts at a dinner party once. Yeah. And Lori Bargini, who's on this radio station, her husband Casey came and he was like, mm. Who serves Brussels sprouts at a dinner party? That's so weird. And then he loved he's them. He's not a food human. He no, doesn't get to not. make that. But he, call. And he liked them, but he was yeah. just like, Wow. Like, who does that? Who does that? Um, everybody who is <laughs> at all interested in the modern times. No, I Eating think that he loved it. Well, I mean, think about it. When we were kids. You boiled oh, them. Oh, the stink, the cabbage stink yes. that happened because of Brussels sprouts in my house. And, you know, my mom's a great cook, but, like, that was just what you did. And I thought, why would anyone ever eat these? And now, like, my kid is, like, completely obsessed with them. When you make, okay, buffalo Brussels sprouts. Yeah. You, I'm assuming, how do you make yours? Do well, you I just them? Cook, I just cook mine. I just saute them in bacon. You know, I make the bacon and then I take the bacon bits out and I cook the Brussels in the in the bacon fat and then I put the bacon back in and then I, you know, I drain them a little bit. Obviously, I don't want them too oily. Um, and then I hit it with and then that's it. I just I just pan sear them. I never boil them. I never, ever, ever. Um, and so we get them nice and then you kind of let them sit in the pan and kind of get soft and warm. And then I hit it with blue cheese and then I hit it with Frank's. Boom. Over the top. That's Yum. it. 
And then that's my dinner because I love that. That sounds <laughs> that's like a easy. delicious dinner. Sometimes there has to be a sausage in there, like a cut up kielbasa, because I need a little bit more protein than that. But otherwise, that's it. Uh, we got an email from Mary and she is going to Mean Girls oh. down at the Orpheum and she wants to know where to eat. And this is always a hard area for me because I feel like, okay, so Mercy Minneapolis, yeah. I do like, and yeah. they always have a fun themed theater night menu, which is great. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, they do. And it's a good price point and they kind of make different things based on the show. Yeah. FEMA's has opened, which yeah. is also within walking distance. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Capitol Grill girl too. Like, I don't, there's nothing wrong with going to Capitol Grill before you go to a show. I think it's kind of special. I like Capitol Grill. And I go to Eli's on Hennepin. Do you? Okay. Yeah. Yep. And that's more of like a neighborhood, gastro-y yeah. kind of a joint. Yeah. Also, Butcher and Butcher Boar and the is Boar close is enough kind to of, Yeah, that's just down the block a couple away. That's not bad at all. And then Fire Lake, and then my list is done. Like, okay. I have no... Do you have anybody Fire else? Fire Lake? You go all the way into Fire Lake? Well, what's the place right across from FEMA's? Fire Lake, right? Oh, I guess so. I guess FEMA's Inside is kind of a walk, too. Yeah. But yeah. so is Butcher and Boar. It's about the same. Yeah. But that's the end of my list. Like, I got nothing after Oh, you're after right. That. I'm thinking this way and this way. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, you know, it's, uh, it's the dearth of Hennepin Avenue. Yeah, I mean, you could go to Crave, you know, which is right oh, there, too. Oh, I forgot too. about Crave, yep. You could do that. Um, and Seven is over there, too. And Rock Bottom Brewery. Yeah, I mean, there's is stuff. Seven still open? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I know. Kind of interesting. Oh, Jody's got a question okay. for us. let's do it, Jody. Hi, Jody. Hi. You yeah, need some help. I'm traveling to the Baltic States, and we're going to have a meal with a local family. It's been suggested we bring a gift for the family. Sure. And the the couple things I know is that they, the woman likes to make paper, and they have kids, and candy's always welcome, and something you know representing Minnesota would be nice. Do you have any suggestions? I figure you guys might have something in terms of the candy area, and, and I'm out in the Maple Grove, Plymouth area. Yeah. So if it's in this area, that'd be even better. Okay, hold on. When we come back on the beginning of the hour, too, we'll answer your question. And 